0: So fear is driving a lot of this and we all feel it. We're all currently in a bit of a state of trauma, I believe, in America. We sort of are endlessly being traumatized by the media, by our former president, by you name it, uh, by media outlets out there. There's just, we're constantly being attacked and driven to a point of fear. You think if you change your mindset around these things, you can defeat fear?
1: I believe so. I mean, I, Mm. I believe that based on my own experience, it's, I realized that my emotions, not always, not in emergency situations, but generally my emotions arise from my interpretation of Mm -hmm. events. Mm -hmm. It doesn't arise from the events themselves, mostly. It it arises from my interpretation, right? It's like there's a wonderful, I love this quote, it's from Epictetus, who is a Stoic Greek philosopher. He said, we can't always control our circumstances, but we can always control our reaction to those circumstances. Mm, And I think it's powerful, right? And I Mm. think that's what he was talking about. It's like we, something happens and we just assume that we have to get freaked out. (laughs) We have to be angry or we have to be sad or we have to, it's like, wait, 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 what's, there's an interpretation in there. You're somehow interpreting that stimulus in a way that makes you afraid.
0: It's also so So, important as a country that we realize that our way out of this is to conquer that fear. I mean, there there is no way we will survive the challenge that autocracy is presenting to democracy until we unite. It's difficult sometimes because it's fun to hate the other side. But in reality, if you look down the line, 10 years or 15 years down the line, we need to be united in order to take exactly. on the China challenge or the China-Russia challenge or the autocracy challenge. There's no exactly. ways we can continue to fight against each other and be equipped to handle what's coming ahead. And that's really what your book is ex- about.
1: I think that's exactly right. And mm. and if you look at recent history, so this, you know, the infrastructure bill that uh, that they were able to just pass, mm. 13 House Republicans voted for right. it. Yep and now they're getting death threats I mean that's just ridiculous though yeah. those people were able to step back from partisan politics enough to go okay there's a lot of stuff in this bill that is going to help my constituents and get past the like but it's the Democrats and you're a traitor if you believe in it no just stop come on mm-hmm. let me think clearly about this okay I want to help my constituents many things in this bill will help my constituents I, as a Republican, may not believe that this is exactly the role of government. Uh, I want small government. But on the other hand, I want good roads in my district. Okay, I guess I'll vote. I mean, that's real thinking, right? Mm. (laughs) And now they're being attacked by hatred from their own side. The
0: problem is the group of people that are causing a lot of the fear are fairly small, but they're loud and they make aggressive moves. And it's terrifying. So whether you see it on school boards or whether you see it on... You know in these uh, house republicans that bravely voted for an infrastructure but i can't believe i'm saying those words but there you yeah. go maybe that's a brave move <laughs> these days um you know that's to me is is the reality of where we're at is there's a small group yeah. of people antagonizing everybody else and it's up to the rest of us to figure that out and to unite with each other and figure out a way through this that reminds us that we will only survive as a democracy if we tackle Precisely. these issues together. Um, and unite and to these not,
1: issues. you know, now in some ways it's kind of racist, but you know, the old stories about rare rabbit and if they fought with the creature that was in the, did you ever read these stories? I know this, kid?
0: I certainly know the stories. I can't remember what Okay, the, so
1: one of the animals gets in a tar pit and yeah. they think he's a monster and they start fighting with him. And as they fight with him, they get stuck in the tar.
0: Right, right.
1: And it's very much like that. If you, I mean, Great philosophers and religious leaders have been saying this for thousands of years. If you give back hate, you'll get more and more hate. Mm. You know, Martin right. Luther King said, you can't get rid of darkness with more darkness, you shine a light, right? Right, So, I'm not saying any, I'm saying something that's very old, actually. What I'm trying to say is there are practical ways to do it. You can can consciously change the way you think so that you can have real dialogue with people and not fall into, you know, you said before, it's fun to hate people. Mm. I don't know if it's fun, but it's self- justifying yes you know we all we all go on these threads on Twitter where it's like oh let's just a a thousand of us talk about how awful this person is and how we want to you know you know whatever kill them dreadfully or send them to the other, whatever is that helpful no it's self-justifying it makes us feel more and more right and more and more safe because now we have a group of people who all feel like these other people are horrible Mm -hmm. but it's not helpful It's not helpful. helpful. If you're really trying to help the country, this is not helpful.
0: The problem is we also have social media outlets that amplify that kind of hate. So we don't have a system that is actually amplifying uh, cooperation and agreement. We have a system that's amplifying disgust and hate and conflict. So that becomes even more challenging and that's why people are always pointing at Facebook and what have you. Uh, A comment here from S. uh, Morganson who says, one thing I try to do instead of reacting to their Fox News inspired outrage is to ask a question back, like, "What do you think is the answer to X problem, or what would be good yes. solution to like?"
1: Yes, yes. That's, yes.
0: that's what you're saying. You're saying.
1: I love that. Be neutral yes. and ask
0: questions and engage in a respectful way.
1: And I love that because I feel like in this effort, curiosity is our friend. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're trying to make a change in yourself or with another person. Curiosity is the opposite of stuckness. Mm-hmm. When you do exactly what that listener said and say, what do you think is the answer? Or, how do you think we should approach mm-hmm. this? That kind of curious question just opens you up. It opens you up to hearing an answer and it opens them up to think differently about the conversation,
0: mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Here's a question from Terry. Clearly thinking different requires practice and willingness to learn. Yes. How will millions of Americans learn how to do and practice this? The media will not help be helpful, obviously, she
1: says. Yeah, it's, you know, we've experienced a virus in the last 20 months. And so this is the good, good viralness, I really have been practicing this myself for 40 years, and i like to think that I've had a good impact on those around me and that they have then subsequently had a good impact on them. That's all we can do because we're not the president of the United States and most of us aren't senators and most of us, we can affect those around us. We can mm. be a light. We can shine, as Muhammad Gandhi says, we can be the change we want to see in the world.
0: Absolutely. I think that's
1: all most of us can affect, right?
0: There's a comment here that I find really interesting from David. He says, uh, in response to Chopin's heart, that he's trying to be receptive, but there is a time to totally reject fascism. I'm not sure I agree with this tactic. So, I mean, certainly all of us here probably are thinking, you know, there's no ways I'm going to find common ground with a fascist or a totalitarian. So what do we do about that?
1: I, I think that's right. And I will go back to if we can get ourselves into a neutral place... Mm. kind of like, who knows? Let's talk to this person, find out. Then we will be able to perceive if they are just good people who are misled or misinformed or who just really see things very differently than we do, or they're bad, evil people who are totalitarians and fascists and want to, you know, kill us. If you are so wrapped up in your own fear and your own stuckness, If one is, if I am, Hmm. I'm not going to be able to tell whether that other person's really a bad person. I'm just going to assume they're a bad person if they disagree with me. So uh, please, I'm not saying there are not terrible people. But I'm saying that if we start out in a more neutral open space we'll be able to tell which people are terrible and which people are okay but disagree with us
0: You know it's also interesting that fascism is an interesting term and we can all agree to dislike yeah. the idea of fascism. but is that really what the other side is saying? I don't know if that's what they're saying. They are saying in my opinion, and I think this is you know this is the sort of the elephant in the room that people refuse to confront, but it, it's all there is that white America has essentially, said, "Uh, uh-uh, we're not going to let this demographic slide happen any longer. We want to hold on to the power and be responsible for the future of America as we've been for the last, you know, 200 whatever years. So this is, I think, the core of this. They're, you might call them white supremacists. In fact, that might be a way of yeah. describing them. But they're also saying we don't want to give up the status quo. We like to keep things away for whatever reasons they might have. Now, they might have very valid reasons for wanting to do that. And it might even be agreeable, a bunch of people, but we're never having that conversation because, and I'm not saying that you can do this in any other way other than, you know, maybe manipulate immigration and stuff like that. There's, there are acceptable ways where you can talk about demographics and, and control them without having to resort to, you know, turning into Nazi Germany or anything like that. There's yeah. there are acceptable policy ways to say, we well, you know what, we'll allow more white people into the country as immigrants and black people into the country. That's Maybe okay, maybe that's agreeable to everybody. Maybe that's something that everyone can understand and say, that's okay, we'll go with that. It'll keep you know, the whites in, in the majority for a little bit longer, and it'll slow down the, the pace of change, and we can think about things more clearly. That might be all they're saying, but what we're hearing is Nazism and uh, white supremacism yes. and, and fascism. And
1: I, totally, and I think it's even more than that. I mean, it's so, the. Positions on the right are as nuanced and different as the positions on the left. So, mm-hmm. all the way from people who are like, people of color are bad and there shouldn't be any people of color in the United States, probably in all of North America, and so let's just keep them out yeah. and let's have a white state. All the way yeah. from that to people who feel like, uh, this is just scary to me. I don't really mm-hmm. understand. You know, most of my friends are white. I don't know how people of color are different and I don't. I'm not sure I know or understand what you even mean by systemic racism. And Mm -hmm. the few people I know who are people of color seem okay. You know, that's a huge spectrum, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. And we look at that huge spectrum from, I would say, horrific, objectionable to just confused and scared. And we tar them with the same brush. We say it's all the same. Yeah. You know, they're have, they're all yeah. Nazis. Yeah.
0: And look, there's no doubt that there's no room for fascism in America. There's no doubt that there's no room for Nazism in America, but it's interesting that their fears are exactly the same. I mean, you know, they're worried yes. that the left wing is about to become China and that it's going to be a totalitarian Chinese state, which exactly. we on the left think is ridiculous. What do you mean we're turning into China? That's exactly. not happening. Precisely. And clear, uh, yet their fear is that that's what we're doing. Our fear is that they're turning us in, into Russia. Um, It's ironic that both China and Russia are actually allies with each other and doing this to (laughs) us. But that's just the nature of how they fight the geopolitical wars these days. So I'm going to take a break. And then on the other side of this, we'll take some more comments. Plus, I really want to get into this idea of the five phases of change, which uh, we'll talk about after the break. So we'll be right back after this on Narrative with Erica Anderson. Hey, everybody. Thank you for supporting Narrative and for supporting our sponsors. I want you to meet the founder of Moink, an eighth generation farmer who is featured on Shark Tank. Time for breakfast. My name is Lucinda Cramsey. I was born on a farm and raised
1: on a farm, and I'm an eighth generation farmer. I wanted to give farmers the opportunity to be financially independent outside of big agriculture.
0: You can see why I selected Moink as a sponsor for Narrative. It's good for you and it's good for local farmers. Moink delivers grass fed and grass finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken and wild caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door, helping family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. Their animals are raised outdoors, their fish swim wild in the ocean. And Moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar and all the other junk you find prepackaged in the meat aisle. Sign up at moinkbox.com. That's moinkbox.com slash narrative to get a year of bacon for free and then pick what meats you want delivered with your first box. Change what you get each month or cancel any time. You don't have to take my word for it. Narrative viewers get so excited about their moinkbox arriving each month, they tweet at me telling me it's moinkbox day at their house. And keep doing that. I really enjoy those. Moink meat is so delicious. Narrative discerning viewers love it. And I know you will too. Get Moink Box right now. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash narrative. That's N-A-R-A-T-I-V, the way we spell narrative, right now. And listeners and viewers to this show get free bacon for a year. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. Spelled Moink Box, M-O-I-N-K, box.com slash narrative. That's moinkbox.com slash narrative and uh, moink of course are a very very popular sponsor of the show so everyone who gets it likes to tell me as i just said there when they get their moink box and also likes to tweet moink on the chats which i appreciate everyone saying moink and it's a uh, moo plus oink if you're wondering how they got the name it's called that's yeah. how they she's really great i really like her so erica anderson is with us we've got a few more minutes left here as we talk about change in america she's the author of a brand new book that's just come out if i'm not mistaken just last week And it is just the book title. I just throw it up here for everyone Change from the Inside Out, Erica Anderson.
1: Yeah, making you, your team, and your organization change capable.
0: Now, that's the book is obviously targeted at uh, executives or people who are trying to lead change in an organization. What we're doing here is seeing how we can apply some of those things to everybody who's watching, you know, who are. We're all stakeholders in America Inc. We all have yes. uh, a future uh, that we're trying to lead or be a part of in America. Whether we're we think we're leaders or we think we're uh, you know just cogs in the wheel, we all have a stake in what's happening in America going forward, and therefore we're all sort of leading the change. How do we do it? You know, from sort of the grassroots level up, like you know, we look at both parties. I would say both parties are stuck in this sort of institutionalized systems. They both have lobbying systems and financing systems yes. that have just been the same forever. Both yep. probably need to evolve somehow. How do we start this change conversation from the bottom up?
1: I love that question. And this is where I'll go. The As you know, the second two thirds of the book, the mm-hmm. second and third thirds of the book are about our five step change model that we use when we're helping organizations to make change but i think i've used it as an activist in the organizations that i've been trying to help over the last five or six years especially and so let me quickly go through it because i think it does apply to people who are trying to make change on the level we're talking about so the first step of the model is clarify the change and why it's needed mm-hmm. so sometimes i feel like as activists on either side we get so like we all know what the change is. we'd say, oh, why, know why it's needed. We're not even going to say it, you know, but right. no, really think as though you're not already an advocate. How would you describe the change and how would you say why it's needed in a way that goes past the kind of sound bites of whatever side of the debate you're on? Why is it needed? What will it do that's helpful? What are the benefits of this change? And then the second step is, Envision the future when the change has been made, because part of our fear about change is fear of the unknown. Mm -hmm. If people are saying, let's make this change and the future is blurry, then we fill in the blanks. And that's when people on the right say, oh, you want to make us be like, you know, communist China. And people on the left say, you want to make us be like communist, you know, whatever. No, just say what's going to be different. What good future will this bring? Try and describe that to yourself, even among yourself as an activist group. So it's clarified clarify first, step. and the
0: second is to envision the future. Envision um,
1: the future state, the okay. post-change future state. Okay. And then the third step is build the change. So this is where you get very practical. Who is going to help you build this change? Who do you need to help you? Who are the key stakeholders? Meaning who is going to have to adopt this change in order for it to happen? And then what is it? What actually are you trying to make change? And this is... When you're working on a local level, like at a local government level or just a local initiative in your school, like, what is your plan for change? How would, and you get some stakeholders to help you and try and move it forward. Then, and the fourth step is what almost no organizations do, almost nobody does when they're thinking about change the fourth step we call lead the transition so you've got your change plan but now comes the critical part where you want to help people do what we've been talking about this whole hour change their minds so this is where you you really have to get into if you want to make help people change their minds and you know open to and accepting them whatever change you're proposing you have to get clear about what is going to be difficult for them about this change when they you know, don't assume that they're going to look at it and go, great, just what I wanted. <laughs> they're going to look at it and go, this is going to be difficult, costly, and weird, right? So what are they as people going to need to help them make that move to thinking it could be easy, it could be rewarding, it could be normal? What's your plan for helping people make that shift in their mindset? Then as you start to implement a plan, you help people through that shift so that in step five, which is keep the change going, you've got a critical mass of people and you can move forward. So we use this all the way from large organizations making major change to many of my compatriots have used it in our local activism. I love it, obviously, because it integrates the practical, what literally changes do we need to make and how are we going to help people through it. It's one of the things I'm a big fan. I know you know, many people aren't, but I'm a big fan of Pete Buttigieg's Mm. because I've observed that this is how he approaches things. He's doing, and now, you know, his job as Secretary of Transportation is right at the heart of this infrastructure bill. And I was just listening to him the other day, talking to a group of people about the problem with getting goods in the country now, you know, Mm. the supply chain problems. Supply chain problems, yeah. Yeah. And it was so great because he was doing exactly what I prescribed. He wasn't assuming that the audience was with him he was assuming that they needed to be helped to understand what was actually happening and how it could be made better right so they could so interesting so they could go along with him
0: um he's a very McKinsey guy you guys are both consultants i'm sure that there's a, a reason why you both uh, appreciate each other's thinking i mean he, he is very thoughtful I mean this is going to be a remarkable time for buddhijs i think because If he's going to be the next potential leader of of the Democrats, he might have real opportunity here to show us what he's capable of with this huge new infrastructure fund. You know, at the start of the show, we asked people to answer this question, and I forgot to start the polling. The question was, do you have any friends on the other side of the political spectrum? This is a new system to me, so I hadn't started the polling, but now I have. So we're seeing people starting to add their votes. If you're wondering where this polling is happening, you have to go to narrative.org forward slash TV. That's where our new interactive player is being tested by us for the first few times here. I love it, actually. I think it's great to be able to get feedback from the audience directly on the screen and also to be able to do polling like this. Look at this so far, uh, 50% say- Oh, I am
1: thrilled. I am thrilled about this response. This is not what I expected. You expected it to
0: be very few people who had many friends yes. on the other side of the political spectrum i
1: thought it would be a bell curve i thought it would be some none some many and mostly a few so i'm thrilled that half the people have yeah. many friends on the other. that's wonderful it's,
0: it's so interesting because you know when we do the show with so many different experts of, of any stripes so whether they're cult leaders or others whenever we do a show about how to convince people on the other side that might be trapped in a cult or might be you know, thinking like the traps in a cult, at least, it always generates such a huge response because it really has torn families apart. I think the downside of the, well, there's lots of downsides, but the real, like, tangible downside of what has happened in America the last few years is families that have been torn apart. And I think that there are so many, and it's caused the fractures that I don't know if they'll ever be healed. So yeah, this, no, it's,
1: it's very difficult.
0: So your approach is great for that. I mean, I think the more you, yes. you know, try to adopt a neutral ground and listen to each other and actually listen to what they're saying, it might be the safest way to bring those families back together.
1: I think that's exactly right. I mean, I don't have any very hard right people in my family, but I have a few people in my extended family who haven't been vaccinated, who think that, you know, who just have very, you know, who kind of maybe think some conspiracy theory, you know and I just refuse to demonize them. I love them, and we have some things in common. And so, I want to work on understanding them and coming to a point of view where maybe both of our minds can be changed in some important ways, you know? Yeah,
0: I think that's absolutely true. I'm, I'm going to just throw up another question here from one of our chat people here, Matt Foso, by the way, does the theme music for the show. So thank you, Matt. I owe you uh, an ad. Which I love the
1: theme music. It's very <laughs> stirring. I, I loved listening to that while we were waiting. Th-
0: that's Sorry. exactly what we... When I, <laughs> this season, I asked Matt, uh, asked what kind of uh, theme do you want? And I was like, I just want something that's really... You know, inspiring people and going to unite people yes. because I felt like everyone was so down in the dumps towards the end of last year. So that's great. Thank you, Matt Fousa. Um The question that he has that may work with average folks and people we know. What about those who are known manipulators who are based on all we see appear to want division? In other words, you know, yeah. the Steve Bannon's of the world.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, there are bad people who are badly intended and who uh, want to sow fear and think that it, you know, life is a zero sum game. And if I win, you lose. There are people like that. And so I'm not telling you to lose your, you know, power of discrimination. <laughs> mm. I'm saying don't assume people are guilty until proven innocent. You know, don't right. assume that everybody is Steve Bannon. Just but start out you, neutral. Can
0: you move Steve Bannon along your change, uh, you know, arc here? I don't or do you think so. No, I don't think so. I mean,
1: there were some books that a guy named Scott Peck wrote in the 70s and 60s and 70s and 80s about there are actually people who are evil. <laughs> you right. know, let's not get so new age that we forget <laughs> that there are actually people who are evil. There are actually people who are evil, you know. Yeah.
0: I want to go back to your the five steps of change. Yeah, about five here.
1: step change model. Yeah, yeah.
0: It seems to me that the... Um The right wing is able to do step one quite well in that they're actually able to clarify the change that they're trying to make. And it seems to me that the left wing is forever in debate about a million possibilities because just the nature of liberal politics is that, you know, we will talk about policy until we're blue in the face and we will never agree on anything except each other's nuance and yada, yada, yada. That's a real problem. If you can't clarify what the change is that you're using to respond to the GOP's vision of change… How do we convince them? How do we convince anybody? Because we need to clarify.
1: I could not agree with you more mm. and I also think that we have unfortunately extended the demonization within our own ranks. Mm-hmm. I mean, if sometimes I hear people who were on the far left of the Democratic Party who considered themselves for instance fans of Bernie Sanders in mm. the you know last election talking about people who are more central yet to my mind still progressive you know center left center and you'd think that they were all evil beings should be scorched from the you know come on seriously i mean let's find common ground let's look to find common ground let's find what we can all agree on and move forward you know
0: yeah but what do we do about the left that's so you know, I don't like beating up on the left because it is so difficult to be, to be on that side of the scale, but they don't seem to have a coherent message that they can say, this is the change. And is that a, a function of our current leadership? I mean, is there a challenge in the White House that we need to more than just sell infrastructure? We need to sell a vision of the future of America that's more descriptive and beneficial to people. I mean, people care about yes. bridges and they care about roads, but that's not going to make them vote for
1: you, yes. I don't think. So, I'll, you know, revealing my politics, I'm pretty left. I'm mm-hmm. lefter than Biden and probably not as left as Ocasio Cortez, yeah. but I'm somewhere over there. And Biden, I think, was the best of the available choices in the sense that the most likely to be elected, which turned out to be true. Mm-hmm. But I think he is a well intentioned human being. And I agree with about 75% of what he says, but he's not a visionary. He cannot. That step two of the model of envision the future state. He's not good at that. That's right. not part of what he's good at. And I think we need that. And I certainly hope in our next president we get that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. We sort of have a caretaker administration in some ways yeah. right now. Thank God yes. we have him because he's yeah, the best person God. for the job right now yeah. in terms of stabilizing his ship. But you know, Have we met the future leader of America uh, from the Democrat side? I don't know if we have yet been... Confronted by someone with my, a real I vision. My
1: point of view, but
0: I, you know, <laughs> and, and that was <laughs> what we,
1: you know, in 2008, I remember the first time I heard Obama. I was like, mm. "Oh my gosh!" I was galvanized because vision is powerful for right. us. We want to have that castle on the hill. We want to hear about what that could be for us all. You know, and we yeah. need that.
0: And Obama was such a, you know, is such a special archer. Oh. I was a. You know, lucky enough to cover that election and uh, meet him on several occasions. And even one day we were uh, backstage at the it's a week before he was uh, elected president. Uh, he was at a, a big event in Virginia and we sort of everyone knew he was going to be the president. Like it was going to be pretty obvious. Yeah. So we yeah, spent yeah. the day with him and, you know, watching him warm-up before he got up in front of that crowd was unbelievable. He was like a boxer ready to get into a, into a fight. You know, he completely worked himself up and then got everybody else in a fight, uh, into the yeah. fighting spirit. Yeah. And I think that speaks a lot to th- what you were saying earlier on about needing to be internalize the change first, bring the change in from the inside Precisely. out.
1: And think about Obama in a fighting spirit. He's not fighting anyone except or hopelessness and disbelief yeah. I mean the last time I was inspired by him was at John Lewis's memorial mm. and I just felt like he has that power the great leaders have to bring us together mm-hmm. to think about a future that is more hopeful that's possible that where we're all looking together toward the future so we're not thinking so much about the differences between us it's a unique power you know it is a
0: unique power and he was a uh you know really skilled at that and but it did take him time yeah. i mean actually i just you know, yeah. line that yes. point he was work he worked himself up he wasn't there and he started yeah. the morning he was very yeah, like yeah. cool and calm with us and whatever but before he got on the stage he needed to get himself into a position and a mindset that he could inspire change in other people.
1: Yes, so. and one thing I want to say, and maybe this yeah. is how we are with time, We're but running out of time, yeah. Maybe toward the end yeah. is look to the youth. You know, look to mm. that wonderful young woman whose name escapes me at the moment. Did that amazing poem?
0: Oh, the poet laureate. And, um,
1: yes, the poet laureate name, yeah. at Biden's inauguration. Yeah,
0: can't remember the oh name. Oh my but god! Someone will these tell us the, here.
1: These are the young people. These mm. are the people who are in their twenties and thirties. There are amazing people, they are going to help us. A lot of them don't buy into this hatred and do want to find a way forward and let's support them to help us heal. You know?
0: Absolutely. That's a great point to end the show. Um, you know, as people walk away this evening, I hope they, they take into your heart all the things you've said like about changing their mindset as they listen to things and about changing the way they speak to themselves and also how they approach change in the world by using a five-step program which everyone can find out more about this on your website erica anderson that's erica with a k anderson with an e uh, yes. dot com yes. and um, everyone can check out there and you'll find a lot of people are saying on the chat by the way it's amanda gorman was the name of the poet thank you very much amanda
1: gorman yeah. yes oh so powerful thank you for, for reminding us of that oh
0: Thank you for reminding us. that. And Erica, thank you very much for being here tonight. The book is called Change from the Inside Out by Erica Anderson. I highly recommend it no matter what change you're going through in your life. I hope you buy it. It's a terrific book. And I hope many of you take some of the lessons away as it relates to politics and uh, about healing the divide in our country and healing the polarization in in our country. Thank you, Erica. Thank you for being here tonight. It's good to see you. Thank
1: you so much. This was great. It was lovely to see you.
0: Likewise. And that's Erica Anderson. Tomorrow night on Narrative, we'll be watching the Rittenhouse trial. I predict we'll see a verdict by tomorrow night. We'll be there speaking of bridging the divide and also an update on the Ghislaine Maxwell the jury selection that's happening right now in Manhattan all of that is coming tomorrow night on Narrative and on Friday the after show with LB and Greg Oliar we'll see you all then until then have yourself a very good night thank you for watching Narrative tonight and good night Erica good night Narrative is made possible by viewers like you join today and support truly independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative that's patreon.com forward slash narrative